Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life, encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. Our show in New England is an extension of a program that I did for many years in Hawaii. Today we reach back into the vault and I've got a special one for you. Open your heart. Hear what the Lord has to say to you today. Don Piper died. During that time, a period of 90 minutes, he went to heaven. He returned and today speaks around the world about his experience. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, 90 Minutes in Heaven, a book which will soon be released as a movie. In this two-part special with Don and Eva Piper, we get an inside look on heaven, healing, emotions, family, ministry, and friendship. Friendship with God and love for people. And we pause at the beginning just to remind you the... The Good Life Radio Show exists to lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. He who loves you so much, loves Don and Eva Piper, and all those that they speak to. He loves us so much that he died on the cross for our sins. He shed his blood on that cross to wash our sins away. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the grave. And the the, the living Christ, whom the Pipers share about, And the living Christ who enables us to experience heaven is the same Christ that calls you today, dear friend. In this pre-recorded interview, I start by asking Don and Eva Piper about their vigorous ministry schedule. And this is what they had to say. When you're there and you're holding the hand of somebody who's... uh going through a very long, dark night, and they want to talk to somebody who went through a very long, dark night, uh, there's, no, uh, there's no substitute for that. During the long recovery period and all the surgeries and stuff, I mean, what I pleaded with God for was somebody who understood. There were lots of people who were very nice to me, very kind to me. Uh, they were praying for me. Um, I wanted somebody with flesh on them to, to hold my hand and say, I have been through what you're going through, and let me tell you how it turns out. Let me tell you how to get through it. There was no such person. I was simply going through an experience that no no living human being in this country had ever endured. So I was plowing new ground. So God's answer to me with that really serious pleading question, why can't you send somebody here who understands, was I want you to be someone who understands to other people. You need to take the focus off of you and start looking for opportunities to hold someone else's hand and say, I get it, I understand what you're going through, and I will help you get through it. And when I kind of crossed that threshold, and it was a decision, it won't come naturally. You have to decide to do that. That's really the beginning. That's the beginning of 
me getting past the enormous sense of depression and defeat that I was experiencing there in that hospital bed when really not many people could say anything encouraging because there was nothing on the horizon that was. They didn't even know if this was going to work after all that we went through. Sometimes it doesn't. Infections take place, and they would have to take the leg off after having endured months of really kind of horrendous things with the leg. So it was there, there, you know, if they would have said something very positive, they would have had to make it up. So in, the, in that kind of context, I found that um, you have to choose whether to be better or better. And if you're going to be better, you're going to have to look outside yourself. You just can't deteriorate into a pity party, which is what I did. Uh, I had seen heaven and had it taken away from me, and I, and I came back to a horrendous life. And um, when I started looking for other opportunities to minister to people, that was the beginning of my new normal. It was the beginning of a new way to live. And uh, and that's kind of what drives me to this day. I, I'm looking for divine opportunities, appointments. When I get up to speak, sometimes someone will be sitting near the front in a wheelchair with one of the similar devices on, and I know why they're there. And I know we're going to have an appointment, uh, even though we've never met before and Nothing telegraphed that they were going to be there. I know why they're here. You're connected. There's yeah. a connection. Yes, there, there is. And, um, and I think there's more of a connection between all of us than we might imagine, especially when it comes to holding hands and saying, I'll be here for you because I have been through this and I made it and I'm going to help you make it because we really want to talk to somebody who gets it. Um, Thank God for all the people who are encouragers and prayers. And when it comes right down to it, I want I want somebody who uh, says I have walked where you walked, uh, or rolled where you roll. In case of wheelchairs, and uh, hey, we're going to get through this together. I I feel what you're saying, and I've been there. And and while you may never be the way you were before, you you can you can make a difference, and you can have a meaningful life in ways that you can't even imagine. You just can't even imagine. I was talking to someone recently about prison, being in prison and prisoners, and I've been in many, many prisons to speak. Never in my wildest imagination would I have thought that speaking to a large number of people who are incarcerated, and some for life, some on death row, who would identify with a guy who got run over by a truck and a book that I wrote because they are looking for a new normal too. They know that they may never get out, and so they have to figure out how to live with what they have and the circumstances that they're enduring. I wouldn't have appropriated that to my situation. They do. And so you just discover new ways every day that people read the story and kind of they're looking for hope, which is what we're all looking for, and that's the way they interpret it. That's the way they see it. And instead of trying to figure it out, I just go with it, and I try to show up where I'm asked to be. Specifically, comforting, let's say, people during end-of-life burdens. How have you seen God use you, your, your story, your testimony? Well, it's really twofold. Uh, one of them is um, we're trying to get them into heaven. And if they're not ready, we, we have a glorious opportunity. You know, uh, facing death is a real uh, opportunity to talk about life eternally. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know that, that the death rate is 100% here on earth. We're not going to get out of it alive. So that kind of is the equalizer. 
and and it's amazing how many people can live just kind of a cavalier go you know whatever happens every day kind of life but then when they get a diagnosis and something's happening and they're told that you don't have much longer to live or you're going to have to conquer this illness now they're confronted with their mortality and they really have to think about what happens next and how am i going to live my life until that time because it is coming so i've had many many opportunities to kind of witness to people on the basis of you know there's a better place and and it, you're going to take your last breath here and your next breath somewhere else. Hell is just as real, but why not go to heaven? It's a prepared place for prepared people. So I have that opportunity, and that's a glorious opportunity. Uh, and the second one is is kind of how how do you live on the way there? How what are you going to do with the rest of your life to make it meaningful? How do you process this? Uh, and let, let's say what's captured you maybe it's cancer maybe it's a heart condition maybe uh maybe it's some rare experience like i had where they had to put a device on me that no one had ever worn before if this is the way your life plays out how are you going to live that because you're not going to be the way you were before this diagnosis this thing happened to you the the hurricane blew your house down or or and now you have no place to live or you are in on death row or those kinds of things and um i think we have to squeeze the tube of life this is this is not a practice life. We're not in rehearsals here. This is the real thing. So having kind of experienced that myself and, and kind of especially in the first uh, stages of my uh, accident recovery, not sure that I was going to live no matter what they did to me. It was, it was touch and go for a long time. So I know what that feels like, and I think people kind of identify with that. So I can kind of help them get through with what's next. And if they live, Hallelujah. I mean, I stood around beds in hospitals where they disconnected somebody. They prayed about it. They agonized over it. They wept over it. And then they pulled the tubes, and the person lived for another year. You know, so we're not in charge. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're not. So, and that's a glorious thing when that kind of thing happens. But sometimes you disconnect the tube, and the breath, breathing gets slower, and then suddenly they take their last breath. They're going to take their next breath somewhere else. You know, we're watching a holy moment here. Someone passes from this existence into the next. So having been there, uh, it gives me kind of a unique perspective, not one that I sought or particularly wanted uh, with, with life and death, and also having me- a meaningful life here. Even if something happens to you that will change your life permanently and you simply will not be the way you were before. Your dashboard comes down on you like a guillotine. Mm. The semi truck runs over your runs over you, runs over the car, right. and it's like a pancake. Mm. There's pictures of it in your book. Ninety minutes in heaven. Describe what happened at the point of impact. Well, I must have seen the truck. I don't remember it because, you know, it was a head-on collision. He swerved onto my lane. The reason I say that is because I put my left arm up in the air, um, obviously driving with my right hand. I, I probably had both hands of the steering wheel, but I put my left arm as if, you know, I was going to somehow block the collision mm-hmm. because when I put my left arm up in the air, that is when the truck struck me, and it, and it dislocated my left arm and took the arm into the back seat of the car. And about halfway down the forearm, it was just devastated. The bones were gone, uh, maybe some muscle tissue. All the skin was gone. And the, and the left arm was really kind of dangling in the back seat of the car. 
Don Piper is sharing about uh, the moment, the moment it all happened, the head-on collision, and that was going to change his life. Well, actually, his life, his life was lost. Uh, he died, and he went to heaven. He's going to explain what it was like, uh, the horrific scene. And he'll go into details, uh, details and more of what uh, he had written about in his book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. We'll be back with more from Don and Eva Piper in this special two-part feature. Sharing heart to heart with you uh, a look of their life that is not often seen. Stay with us. We'll be back. Wandering the road of desperate life Aimlessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me I'll lead you home What can we learn about evangelism? Danny Yamashiro here Rebecca Manley Pipper wrote in her book out of the salt shaker and into the world. I once asked a woman if she felt comfortable about evangelism. Oh yes, she responded. I do it twice a week. Somehow it sounded more like taking multiple vitamins. Evangelism isn't just something you do out there and then get back to normal living. Evangelism involves taking people seriously getting across to their island of concerns and needs, and then sharing Christ as Lord in the context of our natural living situations. For more inspiration on evangelism, go to drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. Please enjoy. A head-on collision uh, resulted in an 18-wheeler literally driving over his lap after the point of contact. And Don Piper died, and he went to heaven. Spent 90 minutes in heaven and came back. He's here in studio in this pre-recorded interview describing what he saw, what he experienced, what he felt. During that time, this is part of a two-part feature with Don and Eva Piper giving us uh, an insider's look of uh, what their life has been like and what it is like today as God uses them mightily all over the world. Here's more with Don Piper. That is when the truck struck me and it, and it dislocated my left arm and took the arm into the back seat of the car. And about halfway down the forearm, it was just devastated. The bones were gone. 
uh, maybe some muscle tissue. All the skin was gone. And the, and the left arm is really kind of dangling in the back seat of the car. So I say that to say I must have been at least a momentarily a fraction of a second aware that something was about to happen. Having seen the rushes of the movie, I, can't, I have to turn away. It's, it's almost impossible for me to watch the recreation of the wreck. It's so authentic. It's so real that, um, you know, you, you recreate that second. Uh, when, when it did happen, um, I didn't go down a long tunnel. There wasn't a bright light at the end of the tunnel. I simply took my last breath in that old car and my next breath at the gates of heaven. So I didn't go down a long tunnel. There wasn't a bright light. I mean, I don't discount those people who say that happens, but for me it was an instant death. I was killed instantly, a blunt force trauma with a head-on collision. Let's face it, most people, when they pass away, it's a process. They're, they fade. They come in and out. And I think that's probably would be an explanation for the people who talk about the tunnel that they're going through mm-hmm. because they're leaving life here and they're seeing the incredible brilliance and overwhelming brightness of heaven. And so they're moving in that direction. Uh, but that didn't happen for me. I was simply standing in the light, surrounded by people I had known and loved in life. Instantaneous. Yes. Uh, transition. Yes. Who did you see? I saw my grandfather's face. I mean, he's the first person I saw at the gates of heaven. I was really actually surrounded by people uh, all the way around me, kind of a semicircle of people around me. I wasn't aware of anything behind me, but I was certainly aware of what was in front of me. There's a gate looming above their heads, magnificent gate. Looks like it's made of mother of pearl. It truly is a pearly gate, not quite what I imagined uh, when I thought about it, but it's very ornate, very elaborate, very large, very beautiful, looking alive. Uh, although I don't think it is. I think it's the incredible light of heaven reflecting off the gate, making it iridescent. My grandfather, I was with him when he died, and it was a very traumatic experience for me as a 31-year-old man to ride with him in the ambulance and see everything they did to try to revive him, and and then they weren't able to. And uh, it, was, it was incumbent upon me to call home and say that Papa's gone. Mm-hmm. So I lived that funeral I saw him in his casket, um, and now I'm standing in front of him, and he looks really good, exceptionally good. And in your book, you say he used to call you Donnie. He did call me Donnie. Did he? How did he, he did. address you yeah, he when had, you saw him? He had his arms extended towards me, uh, as if to embrace me, which he did. And um, the remarkable thing uh, that was uh, very apparent, I told you about Papa's construction business. Well, it's a very dangerous business. I mean, you know, he he was a lumberjack during the Depression. I mean, these are very dangerous jobs. And he had lost uh, three fingers on his right hand and two and a half fingers on his left hand. They were missing. They simply weren't there. Well, when you're a kid and you see that, you're very fascinated by those little stubs sticking up. He greets me at the gates of heaven, extends his hands to me, and he's speaking now a language I never heard before, but I did understand. And he says, welcome home, Donnie. Those were his words. And, of course, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> overwhelmed to see him. Last time I saw him, he was in a casket. And now he's very, very alive. He's more alive than he ever was here. But I looked down at the hands. Now, he, he, had picked me, he used to pick me up when I was a little boy. I sat on his lap. Now I'm looking at the, his hands, the ones that had missing fingers before I was born, and they're, all the fingers are there. So that was just a stunning turn of events to me. 
to realize Papa is complete. He's whole. He's perfect. All those things he was missing, he now has back. He is the way God intended for him to be when God made my grandfather. So he was expecting me that day. And all the other people who greeted me were expecting me as, as well. I often tell, tell people because they'll ask me, you know, the people in heaven miss me. And the answer is no. They expect you. And there's no time in heaven, so they're not like missing. Missing is a progressive thing. You know, we miss somebody over a period of time. They don't miss anybody. They're expecting people. And it's a timeless place. So in a very real kind of an earthly sense, in heaven they just pivot. We're right behind them because mm-hmm. our time comes. So all these people were expecting me. Everybody in heaven knows when someone here makes a decision to go there. They record it, actually, in a big book up there called the Lamb's Book of Life. And they have a big celebration for people who uh, come to know Christ and make a reservation in heaven. So these celebrations are going on all the time, all the time. So they're expecting us. And so when we arrive, whenever our time comes, whenever your time comes, they'll be expecting you. They'll be there to greet you. And the reason they'll greet you is because they helped you get there. They played a role in your spiritual life. All of these people did, no matter what age they were on heaven, uh, on earth, no matter what um, role they played in my life. These people, because of their faithfulness, because of their physical efforts to get me a Bible when I didn't have one or take me to church when I didn't have any other way to go there, these people that greeted me were people who played a role in my spiritual life, and they greeted me at the gates, and they were expecting me, and it was a spectacular Reunion. Don, tell us about Mike Wood. I mean, mm-hmm. you speak very fondly mm-hmm. of LSU. Yes. Uh, he, was he there? He was there. Um, Mike Wood uh, was was a rare breed of athlete. Uh, for that day and time, and then we're talking about, uh, you know, 50 years ago, Mike was, um, he was a four-letter athlete, uh, track and field, um, uh, basketball, uh, baseball, I think, and, and and very much in football. He was tied in. We actually played for the state championship uh, in uh, basketball. That's how good he was, and we uh, played for the district championship in football. So he was a he was a big guy, about six four, about two o five. Well, that was a very big kid in nineteen sixty eight. So uh, and he was a sweet kid. Um, he he uh, he was in a Bible study class. He'd been raised in the church. I had not. Uh, when I when I finally started going to church at 16, he was in my Bible study class, boys Sunday school class, sophomores and then juniors and then seniors. So he moved along with me. Uh, he could eat the side of a barn. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody who had an appetite like him. You never turned your back on him when you were eating or when you did, your food would be gone. And I'm not exaggerating. He was a very lovable guy, um, but when he got... But he, when he put a uniform on, he was uh, he was utterly determined. He got a scholarship to play football at LSU, and was one of their most highly recruited recruited players. He was he was a four star letterman, and um, enrolled in the fall. In those days, uh, they didn't have uh, you couldn't play as a freshman. Freshmen had their own team. It, you, you would play uh, junior varsity and varsity. So he played on the freshman football team, and he might have played on the basketball team. So he never played varsity football. In the fall of that year, of our freshman year in college, he came home for Thanksgiving holidays. He went hunting with his best friend's dad, 
they killed a big deer. They were bringing that deer back into town to have it dressed, and um, they were not paying attention to the highway. They pulled down in front of the big truck. On Mike's side, a truck hit the car, and Mike's uh, neck was broken, and he was killed instantly. Um, None of us had ever experienced anything like this. Uh, Someone to die our age, 18, we'd lost grandparents, things like that, but this was one of us, and a very special one of us. He was a remarkable kid, uh, someone you just couldn't help but love. And uh, I just remember his funeral. The whole LSU football staff was there. There were there were twice as many people in that place as could get in the place. People were standing outside. They had speakers outside. And um, for people who had spent our entire lifetime learn, trying to learn how to be men, we, we just couldn't help ourselves in terms of emotions. It was just brutal. I remember going to the cemetery uh, for his burial. And um, we continued on with college, and I, I saw his girlfriend. They were engaged. Uh, they'd, been mar- they'd been going together again for many years. Uh, over the years, he was such an, a kind of a, a, a favorite son of that town. They actually built an enormous park in that area. And uh, if you go there today in Bossier City, you'll see a, a very nice wrought iron sign above the entrance that says Mike Wood Memorial Park. Hmm. And he would love this because it has a track on it, an Olympic swimming pool. So he was greatly loved in that area. And um, we were devastated when he died. Well, when I arrived in heaven, he was there uh, off to my right. And, uh, you know, kind of just as tall and strapping and as he was then, um, I must say he was he was kind of ageless. Everyone in heaven is kind of ageless because age is not an issue there. Are they young? Well, probably by our standards they would be young. Uh, by, by my standard they would be because I'll be 65 this week. So You're listening to Don Piper. Don Piper is uh, describing who he saw when he was in heaven. 90 Minutes in Heaven. That's his book. He's the author of the New York Times best-selling book, which is soon to be released as a movie, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Don Piper will be back to share more vivid details of what he saw. More so, he describes heaven as a first-class buffet of the senses. How so? He describes that too. And time. How does heaven relate to time? He talks about that in this interview. It's part of a two-part feature. And this is part one. And when we come back, you'll hear from Don Piper. His wife, Eva Piper, was also here in studio in this pre-recorded interview, of which you'll hear more when we come back. Stay with us. the road of desperate life Namelessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me, I'll lead you home. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers. Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. 
If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. Please enjoy. Don Piper uh, survived a head-on collision. Well, actually, what happened was he, he died. And for 90 minutes, he was in heaven. And he describes what he saw, what he felt, what he smelled, who he saw, what it was like in vivid detail in his book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Not only that experience, but what happened afterwards. This is part of a two-part feature with Don and Eva Piper, 90 Minutes in Heaven is a New York Times best-selling book. It's also a soon-to-be-released movie. Now here's more from Don Piper. We were devastated when he died. Well, when I arrived in heaven, he was there, uh, off to my right. And, uh, you know, kind of just as tall and strapping and as he was then. Um, I must say he was he was kind of ageless. Everyone in heaven is kind of ageless because age is not an issue there. Are they young? Well, probably by our standards they would be young. Uh, by, by my standard they would be because I'll be 65 this week. So uh, by my standard they would be young. They were kind of ageless. You know, a lot of people ask uh, about being the age of Jesus was about 33, 33 and a half chronologically in his life when he went to, uh, went to heaven. Um, and maybe that would probably be a good age. I would say this. Uh, I think the people in heaven are fully developed humans. Adult is a stage of life here on earth, of course, just like childhood is or elderly. So they were fully developed humans, and he was a fully developed human, fully recognizable as himself. Uh, I mean, there was no doubt when I looked at him who he was, and he was very excited to see me. He was smiling, arms extended also. And uh, they all were. Everybody was. But I didn't really notice them for their age. I noticed them for their appearance, for their personality, for the people they were here on earth. That doesn't get sacrificed in heaven. In fact, it's enhanced. I mean, we're made this way on purpose. This is God wanted somebody like us, like us, like a person like me, a person like you. And so he made them that way, and we get to love them that way. And... Um, Wow, I sure missed him and wondered what his life could be like. But when you get there, you realize he's had the best life of all. He's mm-hmm. been there. God called him home. By our standards, early. By his standards, right on time. You describe heaven as a buffet of the senses. Yes. How so? Everything there is heightened. You're, 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 you're hearing uh, the music I heard. Uh, thousands of songs at the same time. I mean, here we are uh, on the radio, and and the truth is, if you could get in trouble if you started playing two, three songs at the same time, 
people would call and say, why are you doing that? It's just chaos. I heard, and heaven, I heard thousands of songs at the same time without chaos because you can distinguish each one of them with your heavenly ears. And they, in fact, they all fit together. They're very symbiotic. And, um, and, and then I heard the wings of angels. I, I probably expected to hear their voices. It's heaven. But their wings, I, I didn't expect that. And it's very clear that you can hear them hovering about because I, I believe they're the ones who bear us up to heaven in the first place. And they're there. It's a very comforting sound, wings. You know, you walk into a, a forest and you hear the birds take off and there's that whooshing sound that only they can make. You can hear that all over heaven. So the, your hearing, your smell, your arom- the aromas of heaven are very, very uh, sweet and uh, aromatic. It's really quite stunning. Here you are embracing these people and they're embracing you. So the, the, the gift to touch, it, it really is a, it's the sensory explosion. It is the most real thing that's ever happened to me. And at my age, I've experienced a lot of stuff. I mean, I've held my grandchildren. I am. And you were 38 at the time. I was 38 years old, yeah. So, I mean, I had already experienced a lot in life and certainly a lot since. But there, everything is heightened. I I believe it's heightened in the way that God intended for us to be kind of sensitive to our surroundings and and, and creation. You can imagine what it might have been like in the garden Hmm. with, uh, with Adam and Eve. And the things they smelled, the things they experienced, the things they tasted, all that God had created for them, that they simply lost because they were not obedient. They were disobedient, as a matter of fact. So we we haven't been able to live up to the expectations that God had for us in the first place. And I, I think that also applies to our senses here on earth, even though we... You know, we do get to smell wonderful things and taste great things and embrace people that we love. That'll be heightened by any exponent you want to choose in heaven. And it was while I was there. I just felt and smelled and tasted and hear and heard unbelievable things. And in many ways, I still do. I, I brought the music with me. The, the more weary I grow here on earth, the louder that music gets. And this was happening at the gate. Yes. Yes, just at the gate. Just at the gate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, although I could see through the gate, and I did see some things inside. This was this was the arrival ceremony. <laughs> I mean, this was just showing up, and and think not only the 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 glory and the majesty of this prepared place, but for all time. You get you get to experience it forever. There there is no death in heaven. There is no pain in heaven. Those things that, that we worry about, that, that first 10 minutes of the news every night when you're thinking, oh, I can't believe somebody did that, or I can't believe that happened, or this happened, the, the, none of that happens in, in heaven. It's a perfect place, and it's glorious, and it's joyful, and it's happy. There are no tears there. And so it's not just the taste I received. It's the fact that this goes on forever. And we don't ever have to worry about the things that we're so consumed with right here, right now on this planet. Did you see God? Only in the distance by his light. Um, There's a hill high and lifted up in the center of the city. It's a pinnacle, really. And um, if you've been to Jerusalem, you know it's it's kind of built on a hill. The, the old city is anyway. And they say we're going up to Jerusalem, right? <laughs> up up yes. to the city. Yes. Yeah. And it is a city. This, you know, the Bible has several names for heaven, you know, um, and the city of God is one of them. And it really is quite a city surrounded by a wall, just like old Jerusalem is. 
except this wall is is massive and uh and and, and the city is massive and uh, it's even that it's 28 feet thick the wall is so you can see through the 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 gates and a street of gold and um a clear gold uh, that sounds like an oxymoron but it really is clear gold but but this high and lifted up the brightest line of all is coming from the pinnacle of that hill and there are thrones up there so the glory of God is coming from that. Of course, it's all over heaven, but it's the brightest light of all. That was my objective after I had had this welcoming greeting committee. I, I wanted to, without delay, uh, breach that gate, uh, go down that golden boulevard, climb the hill, um, and just fall at the feet of God and say, thanks for letting me come. That was my objective. I, I mean, I know clearly that's what I wanted to do. And in the point of fact, I did kind of the crowd did part and and fell in behind me, which I thought was very thoughtful, you know, because I'm the new guy, and so they're letting me go at first. And are you are you running? Are you walking, walking at a brisk pace? Do you feel your heart pounding? You know, are you they, panting? Yeah, that's a great question. I No, I didn't feel that. It was just exhilaration, excitement. Uh, but heart beating, I don't know that I felt that. The, the 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 really the great thrill about it is is that it's all about anticipation and and, and and excitement and and also realization that all you ever thought was real and you believed is real it's really a real place heaven is real and and incidentally i don't necessarily remember i remember moving but i don't remember walking in some cases i maybe felt footsteps you know, and uh, you know, we kind of get into an area here like, oh, did you, were you transported? Or something? You know, maybe I was because I got the sense that you could move without walking, you know, that you really could just be where you wanted to be. And so I want to move forward. And I started to move forward. And um, the people moved in behind me as I began to move forward. And uh, so I'm not so sure that uh, heaven all uh, completely involves walking. It could, but it, you may be able to be where you want to be simply by wanting to be there. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool uh, and, and pretty exciting. I've thought about that often because, you know, I, I, I remember being here or close to the gate, then being at the gate, then going through the gate, and I don't remember walking. It just I just moved, moved. Now, when I asked, "Did you see God?" You, it, 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 it was more of a, I don't know exactly aura. the words you use. It, aura. It was an aura of God, yeah. And and and, and, I, and let me say this: I'm glad I didn't get any closer than I did. Mm. Really, it, it, I, I was so overwhelmingly depressed when I returned from there for two reasons: the condition I was in physically was horrendous. And the other reason was that I had seen heaven and then had taken it away from me. Had I seen Jesus face to face, had I been in the immediate presence of God, I just don't think I could have functioned here at all, mm. having had that mm. removed from me. Mm. So I really believe that that was, that was a bridge too far for me. I think that would have been something that... Yeah, he speaks about it being a bridge too far. If he were to have seen God... If you were to have seen Christ himself, when we come back, Don Piper, author of the book, 90 Minutes in Heaven, will share more about 
his coming back. What was it like coming back? What was it like having to now endure the pain? This is part of a this is part one of a two-part feature. You find out more about Don Piper, Don and Eva Piper. 90minutesinheaven.com. A new movie is coming out, 90 Minutes in Heaven. And again, you can find out more, 90minutesinheaven.com. That's 90minutesinheaven.com. You talk about friends. You talk about um, a device that's going to help keep your leg together. He'll show more. Stay with us. On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. with Danny Yamashiro. The Good Life Hawaii Radio Show is a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, a division of Jesus Christ is Calling You. Contact Danny on Facebook and Twitter or visit him at www.thegoodlifehawaii.org. Now, let's rejoin Danny and his special guest. If you went to heaven and saw who you saw and saw what it was like, experienced the, the smells, the sights, uh, iridescence of the the gates the mother of pearl gates as Don Piper describes in his book 90 minutes in heaven would you want to come back he talks about coming back you're listening to the good life radio show I'm Danny Yamashiro I'm grateful that you're with us today you can find out more about Don Piper 90 minutes in heaven.com and now join me in this pre-recorded interview with Don Piper talking about being in heaven and coming back. But in having to come back here, I'm glad I didn't get any closer because of what I missed. If I had gotten face to face with Jesus and then, and been sent back here to essentially three years of surgeries and recovery, I, I just don't think I can function at all. I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. And I'm glad, I really am glad I didn't experience that because then I didn't have to miss that. Time. What was your sense of time? None whatsoever. It's linear. It's propelled forward. Action moves. But there's no elapse of time, which is just so foreign to us here on Earth. We time everything. Everything is time, you know, sunset, sunrise, clocks, everything. There's no time. 
in heaven. It's, it's a timeless place. God is eternal. His love is eternal. Heaven's eternal. Um, I have a sense that heaven's under construction because, you know, one of the last things Jesus said before he left was, I go to prepare a place for you. So I think it's being built, uh, and it's probably not finished because if it was finished, he'd come for us. So we can look forward to that. But um, I didn't sense any time at all. The, the reason the book was named 90 Minutes, and uh, it, if you're an aspiring author, let me tell you that you hardly ever get to pick the title of your book. The publishing company is going to do that for you. And uh, they reasoned that the accident happened at 11.45 a.m. on the bridge and that uh, I was resuscitated by the man praying over my shoulder at 1.15 in the afternoon. That is 90 Minutes. So a more appropriate title for the book may be 90 Minutes Away from Earth. Mm. Um, but I was 90 minutes in heaven by earthly calculations. So there are no calculations. God's not concerned with time whatsoever. Um, there's no night there. There's no need for rest. It's a timeless place, but it is not standing still. It's a very active place. And and action is moving forward. So that's kind of a foreign concept to us because we are enamored with time. We, we are captured in time. And that can work for us and really work against us. Dick, on a record, yeah. played a significant role in the unfolding of what was to take place in your life and what happened in your life. In what way? Yeah, I want to ask Eva a question. Did you meet him before I did? Did he did he come to the hospital? See, and this is something we never talked about before. I met him in the hospital room when he came to visit me after weeks had passed. Did you meet him before that? No. Okay. I, I met him there in the hospital room, okay. and that's where I found out you had died. Yeah. Because they didn't tell me. Yeah, that and earlier. I didn't tell her either. Okay. Yeah. So he was uh, he was there. He and Anita, right. his wife, were there, and he went you know typical hospital chit chat stuff. And then he said something to the effect, "I'm so glad that God descent, decided to send you back after me praying for for mm-hmm. you." And I must have given him the look like, "Excuse me, what sent back? What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Oh, you don't know the whole story." I said, "No." Obviously not. So we walked out in the hall, and uh, he started telling me that he had come up to the bridge because all the traffic was backed up, and he and Anita had walked up there as a pastor. He wanted to minister to anyone that might need some help. He asked the officer if if he could pray for someone, and the officer said, well, no, uh, everyone else is okay, and the guy in the the red car, he's dead. And God talked to him. I mean, God spoke to Dick and said, I want you to pray for the man in the red car. I think Dick used the word compelled. Yes. God compelled him to yes, pray. And and so many times I think God is compelling us to do things and we don't understand. And so we go, oh, surely that's not what God wants us to do. But thankfully, God, uh, Dick was obedient. Yes. And he, he finally convinced the police officer to let him get in the car. He crawled into the back, had to get under the tarp. Uh, that was the only way to get in. And, he, and they laid the tarp over they because... Laid, it was raining that day, and... Um, they didn't it, want anybody to see the... Don was pretty gruesome. 
I was and, uh, pieces so, of me laying where mm, I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, and, you know, uh, trying to, to preserve the scene because they have to do an accident report and, and you know, document everything. Uh, but uh, Dick is under the tarp in the dark, and uh, he starts praying and, and singing with uh, with Don. And, I, I, you know, I know Don has mentioned the movie 90 Minutes in Heaven is coming out uh, in the fall of this year. For me, one of the most moving scenes was the scene of Dick under that tarp praying for Don because, of course, I hadn't seen we, that. None of us had experienced we that. We've never seen it. And, we, uh, I, was, I was gone, and she's Yeah, I was at school. Away. So uh, I, to watch that, this, this gentleman who's playing Dick, to pray and to sing and to pray and to sing. And I, I'm from a music background, so, so I know that hymns are basically prayers set, set to music. And so Dick was telling me this in the, in the hallway of the hospital, that this is what had happened. And he said, I started singing What a Friend We Have in Jesus which happened to be my grandmother's favorite hymn of all time. And he said, Don started singing with me. Yeah, see, I didn't know when she found this out, even till this moment right here. I, I, I woke up in the hospital and saw him. He came to visit me. And uh, I didn't really know who he was because uh, I don't remember him from the bridge, just his voice. And so he's sitting over there, a very deep voice. He's sitting over there, and he introduced himself, and I said, <laughs> Hi, you know, I was not in really good shape. And he said, um, you know, I went to the conference that you were coming from, and I said, uh, oh, yeah, the conference. And he said, um, I was kind of behind you that day. And uh, when I came up and I ended up praying for you, and now I'm kind of piecing all this together like uh, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I remember praying with somebody, and you're it. And uh, he said, uh were you co- were you coming from the conference? And I said, Yeah, I was at the conference too. I, yeah, I think I remember hearing you speak. Well, right in front of us, we're piecing this together, and then it begins to emerge that they had left the conference before I did. They were on mm-hmm. the highway ahead of me, and because it was a cold, rainy January day in Texas, they stopped to get coffee. And while they're getting coffee, I rode past them, and they got behind me. And now Dick is getting a revelation of his own. Not only did he pray for a dead guy who came back, he's realizing he could have been the accident had he Mm. not stopped for coffee. And he's now realizing that the only reason he was behind me in a position to pray for the dead guy was because he did stop for coffee. And his wife gave the coffee to one of the other victims who was hurt on the bridge, sitting down on the curb. He was shivering in the cold weather. He was an elderly man. Mm. So she never even drank that coffee that they stopped for. So this is all kind of just exploding in front of us. And even though it was an incredible story of a you know pastor who felt led to get in the car and pray over a dead body, even though he's told it was, you know, he prayed and I came back, it's even getting more unbelievable by the moment. As, and for him, for him and his family, and Anita, who was an eyewitness to all this, and so we're realizing this is not just a miracle. This is a whole series of miracles, Mm -hmm. and it revolutionized his ministry in terms of his witness and his prayer life and all those other kinds of things. So it had, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's just a remarkable story. Dick Dick prayed, Dick Honorecker did pray for Don Piper. I mean, it's uh, uh, 
quite graphic as he gets under the black tarp. It was a macabre scene. So in the, in, in the gruesomeness of it all, he's under there praying, singing for someone that's already dead. The paramedics already said, well, you know, he's a, he's a dead man. You're going in and so much time had elapsed. You've listened to the first part of this two-part feature. When uh, when we hear part two, you'll hear more from Don and Eva Piper about Dick Honorecker and much more, even about the healing process. He talks about depression. He talks about the emotion, caregiving. Compelling words from Don and Eva Piper, donpiperministries.com. My friend, God's timing is perfect, and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, look, this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps and resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast platforms. Genesis twenty-eight seventeen. how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Don and Eva Piper, DonPiperMinistries.com. Until next time, along with my producer, David Nasora, creative director, Brian Torres, web designer, Shina Kusumoto, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.